0: Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. How's everybody doing this morning? Are you glad you came to church? Did you know that only like super Christians come to church on like holiday weekends? Like, I need to pray for all the heathens who are just out, just taking advantage of the holidays. And it's kind of supposed to be a joke, but. Uh. It's only getting worse from here, I guess. No, we're, we're really glad you're here. If this is your first time here, welcome. Can we welcome all of our first time guests? Tell them we're glad that you're here. Golf clap, welcome. Uh, no, really, we're glad you're here. Um, I'm Braden. if you've never met me or I've never met you, my name's Brayden, and I'm the senior leader here at Renew Life Church. Keith and his wife Natalie are the campus pastors, and uh, we're really, really glad to be here. I don't get to be here as much anymore with two campuses, a campus here, campus in Midland, going back and forth. Uh, I'm not here every weekend like I was used to being back in the day when we just had one church, but uh, I'm really, really glad to be here, see what God's doing here in Lubbock, Texas, and uh, worship's incredible. Can we give our worship team a hand clap? You guys did such an incredible job. Um, I uh, I love having uh, an amazing worship team because I am not an amazing worship leader, but I like good worship, so I just let them do it. And just sometimes I'll just open my mouth like I'm actually singing. Anybody else ever done that? Like your mouth saying you're just crushing every note, but nothing's coming out. But it just makes you feel better. You know, uh, glad we got a great worship team. Hey, if you got your Bibles, we're going to jump right into it because I don't have a ton of time. I didn't get through much of my, many of my notes uh, first service and I'm committed to getting through it today, uh, second service. Mark 11, if you got your Bibles, turn to Mark 11. Uh, how many of you guys were raised in more of like a denominational church setting, Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, something like that? How about non denominationals Anybody just, you are kind of raised? Okay, so it's about 50-50. Uh, I, I didn't grow up in a denominational church. I've never gone to a denominational church uh, of any kind. I, I grew up uh, in a very small town, and when I was really, really young, my parents uh, discovered on TV uh, what is what is known as the Word of Faith, guys, uh, Word of Faith movement. you guys ever heard of the Word of Faith, guys? Uh, I, I came up in that, so we never went to church. My church was at our house for most of my life. Every now and then, a little charismatic preacher would come through and, and, and a little church would pop up. There'd be about 30, 40, 50 of us at best, it seemed like, and they would make it for a little while and then not make it. And so I didn't have a very steady church background. In fact, it wasn't until... Uh, after Leanne and I were married, uh, that we were actually really able to plug into a healthy church and understand uh, the value of the local church, at least to that extent. And so uh, but growing, growing up as a, a Word of Faith guy, every camp, especially charismatic circles, there's, it seems like each camp or each stream, if you will, kind of carries something with it a little stronger than others or a little different than others. And uh, the the Word of Faith, in the Word of Faith camp, if you will, that I grew up in, uh, we talked about faith every single Sunday. On uh, every faith scripture uh, that was in there, we 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 had them nailed down. And my, when I was, and this is going to sound funny to some of you. But when I was about twelve, eleven or twelve years old, my mom made me a, a declarations booklet, and I had all my declarations that I was supposed to wake up every morning and declare the word over my life. And so uh, that was that was a part of my life. It's crazy and almost cultish as that sounds. Um, but uh, no, that, that's just kind of how we grew up. And so I, what I noticed, Leah and I were talking about this a while back, what we noticed is that over the last several years, we've really tried to be very um, intentional about making sure that we were not just a part of a camp I wanted to know what God was doing everywhere and as you started just to looking around I think that's one of the marvels uh, of media social media technology things like that where you can literally hear I mean we can basically hear today within a couple hours what every pastor many pastors across the world preach today and so I think there's there's pros and cons of that but definitely one of the pros is uh, of technology and things like that is we can we can reach out and get a hold of things that maybe we didn't have the ability to without the technology. With that being said, if you're not careful, you'll kind of go looking around and kind of, for the lack of a better word, leave home base. Kind of forgot where you came from. And some of the things that I grew up uh, very consistent in, especially as it pertained to faith, I looked up one day. I was like, ah, I think we need to get back to our faith roots and um, I, I have a, there's a guy that I've been listening to. actually, I've listened to him my whole life. I, I, can, I can honestly say, I haven't had a time period where I've stopped listening to this guy. There's a great Word of Faith teacher. If you just love to hear really strong teaching, uh, I, I mean, he's never going to listen to this podcast, so I'd say this. Their worship's terrible, but Jesus loves them, I'm sure. I just, I mean, I listen to their worship sometimes, and I'm like, I think Jesus shows up late for church just to hear the message. Like, I, even, I don't even know if he wants to hear that. But uh, their worship's not too hot. But their his teaching... Um, Keith Moore in out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then, uh, where's his location in Florida? He's got a he's got a location in Florida as well, I forget. Uh, but anyway, he's one of the best Bible teachers I know. Great Word of Faith Bible teacher. And so, that was a big part of my life. It's interesting, and that's where I, why I had you turn to Mark chapter 11. You can even Google... Word of faith, and if you Google word of faith and click, it's actually in Wikipedia. And if you click word of faith in Wikipedia, it literally says a movement founded on the scriptures of Mark 11. So, I mean, even if Wikipedia says it, how many guys know it's got to be true? I mean, Wikipedia would not lie to us. So, uh, we're going to read from Mark chapter 11 and kind of jump right in. I just, I really want to stir up your faith, teach on faith a little bit today. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 12, Mark 11. Verse 12, it says, Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, he being Jesus. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, now very interesting four words here Jesus said to it, Jesus said, to it In the day and age that we live in, if you get, talk, get caught talking to an it, you are crazy. Uh, but Jesus, very interesting, Jesus said to it, let no one eat from your fruit ever again. Eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He would not allow anyone to carry wares to the temple. Then he taught them, saying, "'Is it not written, "'My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? "'And yet you've made it a den of thieves.' "'And the scribes and chief priests heard it "'and sought how they might destroy him, "'for they feared him, "'because all the people were astonished at his teaching. "'When the evening had come, he went out of the city. Now "'Now in the morning, as they passed by, "'they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots.' And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. Let's just all say that together. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever, now this is where it gets interesting. For assuredly, I say to you, Jesus, talking to normal, non-God DNA human beings, you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Um, Interesting story. Most of you have heard this story before. I don't know if you've, have you, have you ever been in a situation where you just saw something and it was just, it was like so spectacular. You're like, I literally cannot believe what I'm watching right now. You, you've been in a situation where like I, what's what I'm seeing with my eyes is not computing with my brain. Uh, I remember 10, 11 years ago uh, on Father's Day actually, uh, me, I have three brothers Well, there's three brothers. I have two other brothers. Us three and my dad all got a chance to sneak out on Father's Day and play golf together. I think it may be the only time in our life that all of us have gone and played golf. And uh, we're actually a fairly athletic family. Uh, My mom was a college basketball player. My dad played college uh, baseball and did track. And even Leanne's family, her mom was a college tennis player and her dad was a college football player. So athletics is kind of a part uh, of our jam. And so when we, we went to go play golf and we're all fairly athletic. Now, let's all just be honest. Golf is a little bit different. Can we all just be honest? You can think you're an athlete until you put a golf club in your hand sometimes. And so, uh, so we're out there. And now all of my brothers, we're, we're fairly decent. We can get around the course. We're no experts by any stretch of the imagination, but we, we can play a little bit. But I don't know what, what it is about the game of golf and my dad, it just does not make sense to him. And so, I mean, we're talking about a co- former college baseball player, like hand-eye coordination in there, everything. And especially on this day, for whatever reason, he could not make a ball go in the air. It didn't matter how many lessons we gave him, how we told him to hold his club and hands and all the different things. Like, you ever heard the term worm burner? That was my dad all day long. Just little rockets, a foot off the ground. We're like, dad, you've got to hit the back. Like, you're trying to lift, you're in it. I mean, we're giving him every lesson in the world that we could possibly give him. And so this has been going on for, I mean, I think he shot like, 60 on the front nine. I mean, this was not going well. And we get to like, I don't know, I think it's the 11th or 12th hole, somewhere in there. We get to this par three, and we're, almost, we're losing hope. I you mean, know, my dad's just, we're losing hope that he's ever gonna get one up off the ground. And so we're trying to give him all these instructions, and I'm telling you, it's as if the Lord himself just took over my dad's body for one hole. It's like, you're clearly not gonna get this unless I just handle this. And so, but I mean, it was, it was the funniest thing because I mean, he reared back and swung and I mean, it was just perfect. Took out a perfect little divot and all of a sudden, me and my brothers, I think I was probably, I don't know, what was I, 30 years old, somewhere around there, around 30 years old at the time. So we're 30, 28, and 26. We're sitting there and all of a sudden, this ball just takes off just as pretty as any shot you've ever seen. And we're just like, what is happening? We're just celebrating and high-fiving, like, Dad finally got one in the air, you know? And all of a sudden, it's, we didn't really pay attention at first. We're just glad to see a ball not hit the ground four feet in front of him. And so, but the ball is going in the air. We don't really pay attention. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's actually going at the green. And, and then we keep watching, like, oh, it's actually going right at the hole. And you and we're watching from afar, and all of a sudden, it gets quiet on the tee box. And sure enough, just doink, doink. Whole in one, right there on Father's Day, and I mean, we lose our mind. What? Oh my God! We're like jumping and hugging and jumping up and down. We joke now because we we had that scorecard framed for him and had and had the ball and everything. We had a little plaque, and you look at the scorecard and it's like nine, eight, six, nine, four, one. And I'm like, <laughs> he was the hero, the hero of the day. But it was just one of those things where you're just like. I mean, when we watched it go in, there's just a little pause for a second because you're like, I really don't know if I just saw what I just saw. And I think, honestly, we, we've we kind of got to at least take ourselves mentally to times like that in our own lives where what we were seeing, something wasn't computing, to try to wrap your head around what Peter was experiencing when they walked by a tree that literally just yesterday was a healthy tree full of leaves, and Jesus didn't go pour some uh, some some ground killer on it. He didn't. No, no. He literally said something to a tree, and the very next day, this tree is completely dead. Completely dead. Peter he and uh, just like any of us walks by, sees the tree, and he's like, "OMG!" Like. Literally, that tree was 100% alive yesterday and it's dead. And it's interesting because Jesus doesn't even really cut him too much slack here because he doesn't say, Yeah, I know, crazy, huh? You ain't ever seen nothing like that before. Like, I get it, that's bizarre. No, what, what was Jesus's response to a disciple who seemed shocked that he spoke to a tree and the tree listened? What was his four words? Have faith in God. Say it with me one more time Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Jesus is teaching. Jesus is training the disciples. When Jesus said this to the tree, these are all important things to me. They may not be to you, but they are to me. I'm just one of those guys that actually believes that every single piece of scripture, every single word is in here on purpose. It says that Jesus spoke to the tree, but it even says, "And, and all the disciples heard it. So it wasn't like this thing where Jesus didn't look crazy to everyone else and be like, if I start talking to this tree, they're, not gonna, they're gonna think I'm crazy, so I'm just gonna kind of whisper it to myself. No, he said it so that every single one of the disciples heard it. He's training them, he's stretching their thinking, he's stretching their theology, if you will, and, and let me just, I think this is the most important thing that you have to get from this story. Jesus, and, if, and you'll understand this for how he went on to, to talk to them about it, Jesus wasn't showing his disciples what was possible for God to do on the earth. Jesus was showing the disciples what was possible for a human who believed God to do on the earth. That was the bizarre thing. Because even after he said, have faith in God, he's addressing why you're shocked. Let me explain to you why this tree, listen to me. He says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. And I'll tell you this, you, you yourself, I tell you, if you tell a mountain to get up and go jump in the ocean and you fully believe and you don't doubt in your heart, that mountain will get up and go jump into the ocean. When you pray, if you really believe what you're praying for, what you pray will come to pass. And I think it's interesting here that he uses such an absolutely bizarre, bizarre uh, example, like. A mountain going into the ocean. For for the record, has anybody ever prayed and watched a mountain jump into the ocean? Just make sure, I I need to hand the microphone to you and let you finish this message here. Uh, It just seems crazy to think. I, I, I was even thinking about this in the first service. I've never even encountered a situation where I wanted a mountain, to go jump into the ocean. Like I've never thought of a situation where like, you know what, for the glory of God, mountain, go get in the ocean. Like we're from West Texas, like for the glory of God, mountain, come up out of the ground. Like could we, could I just get a mountain, you know? <laughs> Something to look at, you know? But he uses this seemingly bizarre example with these disciples, and, and this is actually what I believe. I believe what he was trying to do, attempting to do, was throw the bar so high that anything else you could possibly think of, it was below the mountain into the ocean. It's like, okay, well, if I can, and I, I actually think that's what he was doing. So you'd never have the excuses like, well, I can't, I can't talk to cancer and tell it to dry up. Oh, I mean, if I can tell a mountain to go jump in the ocean, I can talk to cancer. If I can talk to a mountain, tell it to go jump in the ocean, then I can talk to a relationship that doesn't look like it has a chance in the world to make it. I can tell a marriage, you be restored in Jesus' name. I can tell a prodigal, prodigal, you come home in Jesus' name. I mean, after all, if I can tell a mountain to go jump in the ocean, surely God can move on my son's heart, my daughter's heart, and have them come home. I think he was throwing an example out there so far, so extreme, that when, when we read this here in Lubbock, Texas in 2021, that we would hear that and go, you know what? I'm pretty sure that covers everything. I'm pretty sure there's not one it. Because remember, Jesus said to it. That would help us believe, I don't think there's one it that if I believe, doesn't have to respond to my words. What is your it today? Because again, I I cannot, I'm still trying to think of a good reason someone, for the sake of the kingdom, a mountain would need to go jump in the ocean, but for the sake of the kingdom, I can think of several other things that need to happen. Relationally, physically, financially, emotionally. Is your it depression? Depression. Is your it depression? Have you ever thought, Because and, and I'm and i gonna have to say something I actually believe is theologically incorrect, but have you ever told your depression, which it's actually not your depression, it's only yours if you allow it to be there, but have you ever actually had the thought, say, depression, get out of my life? Shame, get out of my life. Poverty mentality, get out of my life. Have you ever had the thought of talking to your it? Have you ever talked to your it? Have you ever talked to your it fully persuaded that your it was gonna listen to you? It's scriptures like this where have faith in God, have faith in God. It's scriptures like this that say, if you can talk to a mountain, tell it to jump in the ocean, your it has no chance. Your it has no chance. Again, the thing I want you to get here is this was not Jesus showing the disciples what Jesus could do. It was Jesus showing the disciples what they could do if they believed God, if they too believed Him. Let me uh, unpack a couple of, um, I'll call them just kind of some some basics of faith, if you will. Um, this one is probably to me the most important, especially in this day and age, because there are so many there are so many voices claiming to be truth. There are so many um, mediums, if you will, claiming that they are the truth or it is the truth. And let me just say that faith in God begins with faith in the word of God, that the word of God is God. Faith begins, real faith begins and I, and I won't go into this because I, I know like even evangelistically I've heard of, I've never been overseas, done missions work overseas, but I have heard stories where people who have never, they've never had access to a Bible and have had visitations They tell stories of vegetations from this glowing white man or this man wearing white clothes or different, different accounts of this. Uh, let me just clear this one up just a little bit. Like Jesus, Jesus doesn't, um, let me make sure I say this the right way. The gospel can still get out even if America doesn't do it. Like I know we all think that, man, if America without America, where would this world be? Well, without America, there would still be Jesus. And I know some even an American argument is, well, we haven't reached this country, we haven't translated the Bible into that, you know, that language, and how can how can heaven and hell be real, and how can some of this be real when we don't know when all the people groups get reached, and some of the some of the intellectuals self-proclaimed, one of their arguments is, is, well, you know, this hell can't be real and this can't be real. Hang on, Jesus doesn't need any of us to show up. He chooses to work with us, but he doesn't, and Americans aren't the only one out there spreading the gospel. I know that's shocking, groundbreaking information, but nonetheless, Faith in God, especially as it pertains to discipleship and moving forward and developing your faith, begins with the word. Let me just say this, read this in Second Timothy chapter three, starting in verse 16. It says, "All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All Scripture, the Bible's not true. Uh, the Bible is true because it is the truth it is it's not just true it is the foundation by which everything else is measured so for anything else on the planet to be true you have to measure it against the truth there are all, there are a lot of other voices out there trying to get you to believe that you are that there is that truth is relative that there is such a thing as your truth no there is especially young people you're the ones that are getting bombarded with this i need you to hear me say this there is no such thing as your truth. Your truth doesn't exist. There is the truth and a transformed mind. That's what there is. My job is not to try to, ra- try to find out how my truth can be true and the Bible can be true, because there's no such thing as your truth. What I have to learn to do is say, here's how I see things, here's how I feel, here's what I think but it's not true unless it lines up with the truth. Don't care how you feel, hear me on this, I do not care what your college professor, when you go off to college, tries to tell you. If his truth, I don't care how many D's are behind his name, or in front of his name, I think they put them in front. I don't even know, I don't even care where they put the D's, Keith, I don't even care. I don't PhD, PhD, MD I, I, I don't care, even, even their intellectual truth is not even truth unless it aligns with the truth. It might be human fact because thus far humans have not been able to prove anything other than that. But human fact is inferior to the truth. How many things have been facts to humans only to change later? Oh, I can tell you, this is a fact. Then new research comes out. It's like, okay, we need to change the facts. Well, hang on, I thought it was a fact. You ever thought about that? No, no, there is the truth. The truth about your life can only be found by this book. It can't be found by going to college. It can't be found by... It can't be even found in experience. You're like, you know what? I need to find myself. So I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time studying abroad, and I'm going to kind of deconstruct the faith of my youth and see. A, and, and for the record, because I've, I've recently discovered that that's actually a thing now, like this thing called deconstruction. You guys ever heard the, the term deconstruction? It's where a lot of people, especially uh, former Christians, if you if you will, or Christians, they're talking about deconstructing their faith. And it's like, and, and basically what's happened is. Uh, what they have been told was true has not been their experience, so they're gonna get rid of everything that doesn't line up with their experience. Let me just say this. A lot of what needs to be deconstructed is religion. So I have no problems, and let me just say this, Jesus is not in heaven with his knees knocking going, oh my God, they're deconstructing. (laughs) He does not care. You can, why? Because he has, no, he is the truth. <laughs> Whether you think it, believe it, deconstruct it, it does not matter. You cannot deconstruct the truth. Now, religion and your applications of truth need to be deconstructed. They're in a person I shouldn't say they're in a person, because I don't know every one of your lives. Almost every single one of us in this in this room, you would say, in fact, by a show of hands, raise your hand if you have some version of church hurt. You have been wounded, hurt, or disappointed by the church. Warning, don't let your hurt cause you to go deconstruct the truth. You can de- you can deconstruct the method, you can even deconstruct the wit- you can deconstruct a lot of it, but you cannot deconstruct the truth. So in other words, I know so a lot of people say I quit going to church cuz I got hurt by the church. The truth says don't forsake the assembling together. So you can't say I'm going to I'm not going to do that anymore because it hurt me. No, you can say I might do it differently. I'm gonna do it somewhere else. I'm gonna have more wisdom and I'm gonna stop looking at that man up there with the cool microphone as a God. I'm gonna let them be a human being who knows in part and prophesies in part and I'm gonna have the same grace towards them that God had towards me. And if he says something that pisses me off, I'm gonna get over it. Especially if the Lord told me to be there. You cannot deconstruct truth, why? Because it's the truth. <laughs> what needs to happen is we don't be conformed to this world by the renewing of our mind to this truth. And that's the. I don't need to be going through a process of deconstruction, I need to be going through a process of transformation. And sometimes in your transformation, you're gonna have to deconstruct some methodology of men. Some religion of men. What the American church says, this is what church looks like. I'm not, I, this is how we feel like the Lord's told us to do church. I'm telling you, there are a bunch of other people doing it different, and they're right too. They're right for whoever God called to their church. <laughs> I'm just gonna start preaching on some other stuff if I don't be careful. Um, you you have, If you believe that the Bible is God and it's all faith and the development of faith comes from knowing that it's not just faith in God, it's faith in the word of God. Then the second of these, which is a question of, well, how do we develop? How do we grow our faith? The Bible tells us that we've all been given the measure of faith or a measure of faith. I don't care who you are or if you've ever read the Bible. God gave you, according to scripture, he's given you at least enough faith to believe in him. So that is, that is not an excuse. He gave for free the measure of faith. But according to scripture, we actually can develop, we can grow our faith. There's some people in scripture, the Bible says, oh, ye of little faith. Who was that? Disciples in the middle of a storm. Jesus had just done a miracle, told them to go the other side. They counter storm. Oh, my God, we're gonna die. Oh, my gosh, you bunch of little punks. Why ain't got no faith? That was the Braid International Version, but you get the point. But then he tells, like, Keith quoted this morning, the centurion, oh, my gosh, you got big faith. You can have little faith, you can have big faith, You can grow your faith. How do you grow your faith? Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It is no small thing coming to church. Not so that you can check your religious box, but if you're going to a church that's preaching the word, when every time you hear the word, your faith is growing. It is no small thing to come to church. Well, I didn't think you had to come to church. You you don't have to come to church. The point is not living my life based on the bare minimums. But <laughs> do I have to go to church? Do I have to do no no? The point is not that. The point is, do you want your faith to grow? If I want my faith to grow, then I'm regularly putting myself in the position to hear the word. Why? Because the more I hear the word, the more my faith grows, the more my faith grows, the more chance I got to tell that mountain to go get in the river. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and, and I'll just say this. The Bible says, "All of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the true sons of God." Let me to tell you when they know that how the true sons of God began to manifest? They start talking to stuff and it starts listening. That's how, Je- that's how Jesus was even confirming to his own disciples who He was. He spoke to it it and it listened. I'm telling you, our, our um, that's why Paul said, I didn't come with crafty speech. I only came with power. Power works anywhere. Power power works anywhere. If, if, I mean, I'm just telling you right now, if every single person, if, if all of a sudden every single person you start praying for, if what you pray for begins to happen, you're gonna have some influence. They don't have to know a Bible to know that you, some for some reason you keep praying and saying things out of your mouth and whatever you're saying keeps happening. They don't even have to know. Now you have their ear. So it's not about what do I have to do, it's about what do I need to do to develop into the person God's called me to be. Why? Because we're called to manifest heaven on earth. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, coming to church, reading your Bible, listening to podcasts. You need to make sure you're, uh, well, I almost said the wrong way. I, I was gonna say balancing the equation. You need, you need an unbalanced equation. There should be more word coming into your, your, your ears than there is news. News. I think that's why the enemy is so after media. Because faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. He's, he's after the media, why? So he can control what you hear. And there's nothing wrong with, I, I, I've got CNN app, Fox News app, just to make sure I'm balancing the equation. And I make sure I'm, I'm, I'm in the know of what's going on. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I've noticed this. Have you ever noticed sometimes you'll just get caught strolling reading article after article and it's clickbait, right? So they're only gonna tell you the extreme articles and you're like, oh my God, can you believe this? And next thing you know, you're just like depressed. Like, oh my God, like, does Jesus even ever go to Florida? Like, why are all these Florida people doing this crazy stuff? Like, it's just unbelievable, Florida. Um, But, but the point is, it's like you... Technology has given us the ability to be inundated with negative news, but it's also given us access to positive news. You, like I said, any, at some point today, you can listen to podcasts from all over the world. You can listen to teaching from all over. The, the audio, you, can, you can listen to the, the Bible on audio in about 800 translations, even the creative arts version, which is about 50% accurate the Leanne reads. <laughs> this a joke. She wasn't here to get it. It's not as fun if she's not in here. It's why it's important that you're fellowshipping with other believers, why? Because the Bible says that you you were created in the likeness of an image of God. A part of God is in you that's not in me. When you talk, a new expression of God comes out of your mouth. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If God's in you and you're saying it, sometimes you're speaking on behalf of God. Everybody in this room, most of you in this room, you believe that I am being, right now, you believe that I am being used by God to speak to you. That's what most of you, that's why you came. You want to hear from God. You didn't necessarily want to hear from me. You wanted to hear from God. Every person in this room has a, an assignment to speak on behalf of God. Every one of you. So when I'm, when I'm choosing community, it's not this go to small groups just so you can learn a new dessert recipe or play cornhole. or. or it, 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 that's not why we have groups. When we get in groups and have conversations with other believers, it's so I get the part of God that I didn't know existed. When I'm listening to you talk, you're teaching me things about God that I did not know. You're speaking on behalf of him. That's why we don't, I know a lot of churches, and I'm, I'm not trying to point the finger. They have one preacher. I feel sorry for some of my friends. I was talking to a group of my friends the other day, and they were talking about how they still preach 48 to 50 times a year. And that's, that's just sad to me, because it's like how, that's just, it takes a lot out of you, first of all, to do this and give everything you got. But the, the bigger thing that's sad to me is your poor church you're only giving them one voice and there's so many other voices out there. In Ephesians four, it's very clear. God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. You know how saints actually get ready ready to do their ministry? By hearing from at least five different voices. That's the reason I don't preach every time or Keith don't preach every time or Cody don't preach every time and we have guest speakers, why? Because I don't know it all, newsflash. I don't know it all, Keith don't know it all, you don't know it all. But if we all start getting together and talking, we start to hear it all. All the different angles. I was talking to someone who they almost, at first service, they almost couldn't even get it out of their mouth, but they, they were, we were talking about politics and they said, well, just so you know, we're kind of, we lean liberal. But the only reason they were able to tell me that is because of how the conversation went. It's like, <laughs> I'm gonna stop right there. Um, Have faith in God. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You can have faith in a lot of things. Every single one of you in this room, you exercised extreme faith this morning. Let me tell you the kind of faith you exercised. Everybody in this room, you have faith in chair. You know why? Because you walked in and you didn't look at that chair and go, Oh, I don't know about that. That's suspect looking right there. Well, looking like a chair with his four legs and acting like it's gonna hold me up. I don't know you. I don't know you. You didn't go pick up that chair before you sat down and say, I wonder who made this chair. I need to see who made this chair. Did anybody inspect their chair before they sat down? No, you know why? Because time after time, again after, again and again, you've walked into a room and you've seen multiple types of chairs. Now, it didn't have to look exactly like that chair, but you sat in so many chairs that pretty much every single time you sat down, the chair held you up. So you know what happened? You don't even think about it anymore. Because for years, you see a chair, you sit down, it holds you up. See a chair, sit down, holds you up. It's not even really faith anymore. It's almost just pure belief. Everybody in this room, you 100% believed when you sat down. It didn't cross your mind like, oh my gosh, I hope, that, I hope this sucker works. <laughs> faith in chair. Faith in God works the same way. Hear the word, do the word, see God prove himself faithful. Hear the word, do the word, see God prove himself faithful. Hear, see, do, hear, see, do. The more you do that, all of a sudden faith in God comes. will start coming to you just like faith in chair. It will just be automatic. It's just what you do. I watched it happen this, I watched it happen early in one of our services today. Person walks in, uh, casts and crutches, person in our church. This is what you do. We go pray for it. Didn't, didn't, didn't need someone didn't need someone with a microphone to say, hey, no, no, it's like, it's in the middle of worship. It's what we do. It's called faith. You can have faith, let me talk to you some, you can have faith in hard work and effort. Some of you, and, and we all have it to a certain degree, a certain degree, you'll believe, if I'll work hard enough, I can do this. We even lie to our kids and say, if you work hard enough, you can do anything you want, which is not true. The Bible says train up a child in the way that they should go, which means there's something that they're called to do. And if, you try, if you're not careful, you'll instill in them faith and hard work and effort, and they'll start putting hard work and effort in the thing that they think they want instead of the thing he's leading them into, and they'll be disappointed because they worked hard, they gave it their effort, and they were disappointed. Why? Because I don't need to have my faith in hard work and effort. Now, should you you work hard? Absolutely. But you should work hard to hear God as to what he's telling you to do and then work hard in that. Because I don't wanna have faith in hard work, I wanna have faith in God. People have faith in family, what their family thinks, what their family wants trumps God's desires. They'd rather do what their family thinks they should do in their marriage, what their family thinks they should do with their kids, what their family thinks they should do with their money. They think they should go to church where their family thinks they should go to church because heaven forbid we upset the apple cart on Easter Sunday. We all need to go to the same church so we can all go to lunch afterwards. And the pressure of that. The pressure of that, even family sometimes, will cause us to say, you know what? I actually have more belief in family than I do God, so I'm gonna give into the pressures of family rather than the pressure that following God even creates in my family. Faith in education, if I just had a degree, if I can just get a degree, if I can just get a degree, if I can just get through this much training, if I can just get through med school, if I can just get through the faith in education. Here's the fun one, faith in vaccines. This is not some anti-vaxxer up here fixing it. I'm just gonna, just for the fun of it, I'm gonna do something crazy. I'm gonna read the Bible. Psalms 91, verse one. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, not the vaccine, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. You ever read words in the scripture and be like, I don't really know what a perilous pestilence sounds like, but I'm just, it ain't got no right in my life, that perilous pestilence. Do you know what perilous pestilence means in Webster's Dictionary? A fatal epidemic disease. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and surely he will deliver you from a fatal epidemic disease. Do I have faith in God or faith in vaccine? I'm not, again, I'm not anti-vax. If, but you need to be led by what you're supposed to do. Some I've actually told people, well, you probably should get it. Research shows that man, best I can tell. And gosh, you say research shows anymore and you just piss half the room off anyway somebody, well, no, no, I watched Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody calm down. Here's what I'm saying. I, I, I can probably find you research to validate both sides. It's all out there. And if we'll all be really honest, if you're not full of pride, you've probably dealt with some confusion of not knowing which to believe. Now, if you're full of pride, you already know, you've known since day one, that's the government trying. To, that's that dang. Go- I knew, man, if we can just get him out of office. It's arrogance. But if you're, if you're humble, you've wondered. And you know what people who, want, who are humble and wondered need more than anything? They need to be led by the Spirit and led by the Spirit of truth. So again, here's what I promise you that the Spirit will lead you. He, you may have a, an unction because of wisdom to go get the vaccine, but I'm gonna tell you where the Spirit of truth is gonna lead you, to Psalm 91. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He shall deliver me from this disease, not a vaccine. Now, with that faith, I may go get the vaccine. Please hear me, I'm I'm, I'm telling you, I'm as down the middle on this one as probably you can possibly get. You wanna know if I got the vaccine? It's none of your business. Um, But no, I don't. But I know others who who have, why? Because they had a conviction. That a call of God, I'm supposed to go to this country and this country, and if the Lord's calling me to go here, then I'm gonna go get the vaccine, because why? I, can, I cannot get the vaccine by faith, and I can get the vaccine by faith. Well, I think there's stuff in that thing that'll hurt you. The Bible says you, you can drink any deadly thing, and it will not hurt you. Do you believe that or not? So don't make this about what you think it could or couldn't be. Be led by the Spirit of truth and have faith in your refuge and your fortress. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. I can't hear those words. I believe, therefore I spoke. I cannot read those words and it not take me back to how I was born again and being thankful that I, just by believing and speaking, God made heaven my eternal my my eternal home but in the same way that I believe therefore I spoke got me into heaven I believe therefore I spoke is how I manifest heaven on earth I don't care what the situation is you have to learn to open your mouth and say Jesus didn't think to the fig tree he spoke he spoke Jesus answered, have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast seed, it doesn't doubt his heart, but believes those things that he said will be done. He will have whatever he says. You show me your words, I'll show, I'll show you what you really believe. You can see what you really believe. This this isn't a thing to get you over in guilt, shame, and condemnation, but every now and then it's good and it's okay to do a little checkup. Like, where am I at? My wife and I were doing this over the last six months. It's like, okay, there's some things coming out of my mouth that don't need to be coming out of my mouth. I hear a lot of facts coming out and not much faith. I hear a lot of this is what I see It's what I see. And I'm not, I wasn't hearing enough call those things that be not as though they were coming out of my mouth. Every now and then, it's good that we do a little checkup and just ask ourselves: when you when you are confronted by an it that is not in line with the kingdom, whether that's a sickness, a symptom, even if it's a little bitty headache, ask yourself: was the first thing was the first thing you thought about doing opening your mouth and rebuking it, or was the first thing you thought about reaching into your purse and getting an Advil? I am. This is not an anti-Advil message. This is a pro-faith message. This is about learning to exercise your faith with things even as small as a headache. So when something bigger shows up, when that mountain shows up, you know right what to tell it. You know right what to do. You got that David faith. When a Goliath, when a Goliath mountain <laughs> is standing in front of you, you say, no, no, I've seen this with a bear. I've seen this with a lion and you will be no different when you're faced with a life and death situation with with cancer, with COVID, with with whatever it is, you need to be able to say, I saw this with a headache. I saw this with a sprained ankle and you cancer will be no different. You gotta start practicing, exercising your faith. In fact, if I were to go read, I don't have time to read it all, but in Hebrews chapter 11, go read all the hall of faith. It wasn't just people that just spoke, they did something. By faith, Noah built an ark. There was a lot of doing. You're doing, you're speaking, and you're doing will demonstrate where your faith is, really is. We shouldn't just be coming to church to hear a message that makes us feel better. We should be coming to church to hear a message that stirs up our faith so that we start speaking and doing, speaking and doing, and bringing, literally bringing by faith, heaven to earth in every area of life.